Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Michigan State has had no shortage of productive pass catchers through the years, but with Jaden Reed off to the NFL and Keon Coleman at Florida State, someone is going to have to step up big time on the outside during the 2023 football season. There's plenty of options, but who is most likely to be that go-to guy? Wide receiver and tight end previews on episode 116 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Lawson, and Matt Wenzel with you on Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. Hope everyone is enjoying the final weeks of summer out there, but football is very much on the horizon. We've got week zero games next Saturday, so it is coming. Michigan State just had a scrimmage. Uh, Matt, can you feel the football in the air? Yeah, Mel was kind of in a little bit of a game week mood yesterday. Uh, something was annoying him, and uh, he looked like he was uh, he was ready to go. So yeah, might as well be. I watched that. He got a little fired up about the run game there. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we got a little peek into sort of his uh, kind of, he kind of let, gave us a little glimpse there into, into how the things are going there with the offensive line and the run game, I think. Yeah, he was a little pissed. <laughs> that kind of, <laughs> the, the end of the, the interview, uh, the way a, a question was phrased by somebody, uh, just sent him off on a, on a rant about <laughs> run D and, and the run game. And yeah, uh, yeah. so there you go. That was uh, that was the highlight yesterday. We need more questions that send Mel off on that. You know, get him going a little bit. That's the kind of Mel we like right there. So, uh, Kyle, welcome back. Hope the golf game is in is in fine form. Uh, I don't know about that, but uh, I am back um, after a nice uh, couple of days in northern Michigan. And uh, yeah, it, golf uh, winding down and and ready for football here. So today, as I mentioned off the top, we're going to get into more of our position previews. We're going to look at the pass catchers, the wide receivers and tight ends. It's a position group with a lot of sort of question marks and, uh, you know, no shortage of options, I guess, on the outside. We'll get to that in a bit. Matt and I gave our thoughts on realignment last pod. In case you were listening, I uh, had, a, had a kind of stirring, spirited conversation about the future of the Big Ten, the 18-team Big Ten. Kyle was not here, and uh, so I kind of just read off the top here, Kyle, wondering if you can sort of give us your thoughts on, on the news that Washington and Oregon is joining the Big Ten. And I guess just kind of look at it, you know, what does it mean for the basketball team? Because we didn't really get into the basketball aspect of this. Um, I mean, I mean, nothing good, um, you know, in, in my opinion, which I'm, I'm sure you guys probably um, addressed last week. Um, I mean, these, these decisions are obviously, as we talk about with all the realignment um, news, it's made for football and basketball and every other sport kind of gets dragged along with it. Um, uh, you know, obviously, 
you look at the schools they added, not historically very strong basketball programs. I mean, they, they've had their moments, um, but but not like adding anything that's really going to get fans excited to be on the schedule uh, regularly. And, um, you know, going, making the conference as big as it is to 18 teams, I don't know how you play a 20-game schedule with 18 teams. I'll be curious what uh, what Kevin Pauga and, and people like him uh, cook up with that, but I know you're going to be losing a lot of home and homes. And I think that's, I think that's unfortunate for basketball um, playing, um, you know, used to be you play everybody twice and you, you were at every venue and you, you played Purdue and like, it's fun in basketball when you play twice, you know, it's um, you get the revenge games, you get um, maybe it's a little chippy in the first game and then you go there and then the next game and it's, and it was equal too. Um um, and, and now you're losing all that and, um, no, no Purdue twice, no Indiana twice. Um, if they can play anybody twice, maybe they can save Michigan or something, but, uh, it's going to be more unequal. Um, you're going to have less of the historic games people kind of like, and, um, and obviously more travel, uh, because football makes, um, you know, plays have as many games as basketball does. So you, on average, it's going to be double the travel. I think they would have to do some sort of traveling partners or, you know, you go out and you play Washington and Oregon in the same week. Obviously we've talked about playing USC and UCLA in the same week, but that's, that's a lot of travel. Um, that's a lot of time away from campus and it's going to be the same for the women too. So, um, I don't see anything good coming from it for basketball. I'll be curious to see what, what Tom is doing the other basketball coaches. I'm sure they'll have some positive spin on it, but, um, for, from where I sit, um, I, I don't see much of it. You don't you don't have that uh, flex protect plus or whatever model uh, floating around in, in the hoops uh, realm yet. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's stuff floating around, um, but um, I, I don't think I don't think people will like whatever whatever comes out of it. I'm not convinced Tom Izzo's going to put a positive spin on this. He might come out and tell us how he really feels, like he does all the time. So I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I, I, the biggest thing that I hate is that I mean we already talked how much how much times last year, Kyle, about the unbalanced schedule in the Big Ten and how it looks like Michigan State's playing a harder schedule than you know, another team. And, you know, from mm-hmm. year to year, it varies, I guess, but it was already unbalanced and now it's just going to be even more so, which kind of, I don't know, de-emphasizes the regular season or makes it maybe not as important. I don't know. Plus they're going to have to go play on that disgusting court at Oregon. I mean, I don't even want to look at that thing. So that's another downfall here, but yeah, it's just kind of watering down the product. Like the big 10 is not the big 10 anymore. I said, they should just start calling it the big conference, you know, cause like this is just getting ridiculous, but we did this last week, but it's, you know, it was, a uh, A spirited conversation and uh, the debates will continue to happen. But let's get to football here. The football season, as I said off the top, is on the horizon. Uh, And when you look at the pass catchers at Michigan State, Matt, as a whole, I think this is one of the positions, particularly wide receiver, where I think we have a lot of questions. You know, they lost their two leading guys from last year. Um, So there's guys that could step up. There's young guys that could emerge. Uh, There's guys that have been in the program that were kind of waiting to stay healthy. So I guess the way I wanted to break this down, Matt, is kind of talk about this in three different groups. You know, we'll talk about the the return, the the veteran guys who have been in the program. We'll talk about the veteran guys who have been not in the program but have been around, and then kind of look at the young guys. So, let's start with the two guys that we think we know are going to be in the starting lineup, and those are the veteran guys in the program. Starts with Trey Mosley, and he is a guy who's you know just kind of been that second, third receiver the last couple years. You know, 98 career catches, over a thousand yards receiving. He's one of only 48 receivers to reach a thousand yards. So, you know, he's a guy who we know is reliable. 
he makes all the catches. He he does well on those sort of crossing routes, um, you know, reliable short yardage area, but he hasn't really shown that he's like an explosive receiver, I would say. So I guess the question with Trey Mosley is, can we see more to his game to the point where he becomes a true number one alpha wide receiver? Good question. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you look, please speculate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Trey's been, like you said, he's been reliable. I mean, you go back to his true freshman season, you know, and he, you know, they were shorthanded on the stretch there and he merges. And I think he played the last six games, you know, or in the pinstripe bowl and he's making, you know, tough contested catches. And yeah, I mean, we've seen some, some bigger plays out of him. I think he broke a long one, uh, the win at Miami in 2021. And, um, you know, he's, he's made big plays, but the question is, you know, what happens when you go from number two or number three to number one and, you know, what that means with the defenses, and, you know, and, and their attention to you. So that'll be interesting to see, but, you know, there's no question he is the most experienced guy coming back and, and you know, leader in the room. He's the veteran. Um, and then after that, you got Montori Foster, who was coming back from injury last year. And but by all accounts, uh, you know, his name keeps coming up. We saw, you know, the, the scrimmage number one of fall camp on Saturday, which obviously was closed to the public and the media. But, you know, you saw him making, uh, you know, a tough uh, leaping catch near the end zone over. I think it was Marky Lowry, if I remember right. But either way, um, yeah, I mean, those two are kind of where you start. Um, but yeah, again, we haven't seen them play true, like number one, you know, high, well, I mean, Mosley's been productive, but you know, to, to take that next step and be that guy that with, with 50 catches, 60 catches, um, you know, that'll be interesting to see if they can develop that or if it's just more spread out by committee, you know, and you mix in all the, the second year guys, uh, particularly, and, and some of the others that, you know, they kind of don't need, don't rely on one or two guys as much and, and spread it around a little bit more. But, uh, you know, I asked Mel about it yesterday and he said, you know, he thinks um, they don't, they, they don't have a shortage of, of playmakers. So, and then he listed off, you know, everyone <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, uh, but yeah, so it, it'll be, uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's still unknown. And then you, you mix in the fact that you have a new starting quarterback and yeah, there's a lot of questions about, about their past game because if, if you just talking receivers, they return less than 30% of their production in, in catches, yards, and touchdowns. And then you add in the tight ends, Tyler Hunt and Daniel Barker, who lost, and the, the running backs that are gone, and you know what they did in the past game. And there's a lot of lot of openings, obviously. Yeah. I mean, Montori was a well thought of kid coming out of the Cleveland area, you know, six foot, 185. He struggled with injuries in his career, though, has I think been the big thing with him. It's kept him from sort of, we'll see him start to get a role on the field and emerge on the field. You know, he made that long touchdown catch against Maryland in 21. He had that one handed catch in the snow against Penn State in 21. So we'll see him like start to flash. And then all of a sudden, he'll just kind of, you know, he'll get hurt or he will, he'll follow the rotation. It seems like it's one step forward, two steps back for Montori. So if he could stay healthy, stay on the field. I mean, this is a guy who's played in 30 games, you know, he's, he has 19 career receptions. So at least he knows what it's like to be on the Spartan stadium turf. And, and when Montori, I mean, people kind of forget, he didn't play varsity football until his senior year, you know, he's a basketball player, you know, and a good one at that. Um, and then, you know, senior year, he starts to play. And next thing you know, his recruitment just takes off very quickly. And um, yeah, last year he had had off season, uh, Liz Frank's surgery. So he was playing with a couple screws in his foot, which does not sound very pleasant. Um, but those were uh, removed this most recent off season. So he, uh, last time we talked to him was 
um, feeling healthy, feeling better. And was it ready to Kyle ready to be uh, his back to old Montori or, or whatever he said? Yeah, he, he broke in a third person there for a ah, second. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Class, classic wide receiver. Yes, right I like that. Yes, that Ocho Cinco does this. Yes. Ocho Cinco does that. <laughs> yes, receivers are one of a kind, that's for sure. Um, so those are the two guys I think that we feel most confident are going to be on the field. The rest of these guys, it's really up for grabs who's going to get reps behind them. You know, we'll move into the second group here, kind of veteran guys who haven't necessarily been in the program, but that's, you know, Christian Fitzpatrick transferred in from Louisville a couple of years, has also struggled with some injuries. And then Alante Brown, uh, you know, a guy who Michigan State fans really, really liked coming out of high school, really wanted, you know, it looked for a while like he was going to come to Michigan State. Ends up at Nebraska, kind of a speedy guy who could make some big plays, but a late addition uh, in the spring. So I guess, uh, you know, Mel mentioned Kristen Fitzpatrick. I know he likes his size and he, you know, he does kind of have a body type that a lot of the other receivers in the room don't necessarily have. So if you're looking for one of those kind of like throw it up in the red zone guys, you know, it seems like Christian Fitzpatrick would fit that mold. Yeah. I mean, he's six foot four and that makes him the tallest receiver on the team. So yeah, you expect something out of him. Uh, maybe if it's just situationally, like you said, um, but, you know, another guy who, who had a sports hernia last year and he got shut down um, earlier in the season and, and, you know, was unable to obviously to, to contribute. But um, he we talked to him in the spring. He said he felt like the forgotten guy in the room and, and wants to change that, obviously. So uh, we'll see. You know, we we haven't seen really much production out of him at all in, in the two years at Michigan State. And then Alante Brown. Yeah, I mean, you know, you think you thought when they lose, when they lost Keon, that they might pick up a portal receiver and ends up being Alante. And, you know, he comes from Nebraska where, you know, he he started, he contributed, but zero career touchdown catches, I believe, still, if I remember that right. But uh, smaller guy, uh, speedier guy, he was a high school quarterback coming out of Chicago. So, you know, maybe a little, still a little rawish, I guess, in, in learning receiver, but, you know, he's, he, He's a guy they think can contribute, and I think you know obviously he'll be on the field this year, whether that's in a starting role or as you know backup. Uh, we'll see, but uh, he's he's definitely a guy that's uh, in the mix there. So uh, can I tell you what I worry about a little bit with wide receiver and with, with a lot of position groups? We've heard them talk a lot about more depth this year, more depth, more depth, more depth, and that's good, and I believe them. That's the case. I just worry if they have difference makers. You know, it reminds me of these Michigan State basketball teams. This is the analogy I always make. But before this past season, that's what they had. They had a bunch of pretty good players, no two difference makers, and were kind of stuck in the middle. You know, because of that. And Matt just listed off a ton of guys. I think they got a ton of solid players, but like. At wide receiver, they lost the difference makers. And, I, you know, can anybody step up and be like a go-to guy? Are they going to have a bunch of, you know, number two wide receivers out there? Um, and I think you could say the same for, for multiple other positions. So the depth is good. I think it'll raise their floor probably. But um, I, I don't know. Can any of these guys step up and and take it to the next level and, and be a dude? Um, that, that's kind of what I'm wondering. To that, to that point, Mel yesterday said, we have enough good players to be good, but we don't have enough good players to lose guys to injury and still think we can be good. So that kind of, to your point, mm -hmm. absolutely. I don't know. I guess what gives me confidence is like there is talent in the room. And, you know, we've seen like in the program in the past where a receiver is just kind of like there, 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 and then maybe we'll pop their senior year. Like Tony Lippett did that. Aaron Burbridge did that for Michigan State. I mean, these were four-star prospects that kind of were just in the rotation, in the program, 
guys left and then all of a sudden they pop their senior year. So I don't know, maybe that can happen. And maybe if there is kind of like someone who's going to emerge as a game breaker, it might be in this young group of receivers just because there's so much, you know, we don't know what they are. We haven't seen them. And that includes, you know, Tyrell Henry, the Michigan kid from Roseville who got on the field special teams uh, last year, which is always a good sign, you know, led them in kick returns. That's a role he'll probably have again, although I expect him to, see the field a little bit on offense. We've said in the past that Tyrell Henry feels like kind of like the guy who's the most ahead out of these, you know, three sort of second year guys, which also includes Antonio Gates Jr., another Michigan kid, obviously the kid of uh, NFL legend Antonio Gates. And then Jerron Glover, you know, 6'1", 205 kid from Riverview High School in Florida, uh, by all accounts, a well thought of kid. But, that, you know, I just haven't heard, you know, we've seen some highlight catches from him, I guess, in the videos they've put out, but I just haven't heard as much about him sort of, you know, being in the rotation this year, but I guess when you look at those three guys, Matt, do you, do you agree that maybe one of them might have the highest potential in the room or which one do you see uh, sort of, you know, maybe emerging first? Well, if you just look at the way it worked out last year, Tyrell Henry was the guy that they thought was the most ready to be on the field, even though that was mostly in a special teams role. Um, when we talked to uh, Courtney Hawkins this spring. He said, yeah, basically, we should have probably played <laughs> Tyrell more on offense last year, but just kind of situationally, some of the, the the way the games unfolded, they they didn't do so. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a tall, well, you know, we haven't really seen any of the three. What did Glover had what one catch for two yards last year and, and took a red shirt. 21 snaps. <laughs> yeah, Gates Gates didn't play, took a red shirt. Uh, you know, so we you don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's there's the potential, and they clearly think all three of those guys are have a you know, high ceiling, but again, <laughs> you got to see it in, in the games and we haven't seen that from any of those guys. So it's still just all potential and, you know, talk. This is, we're still in talk season. We got a couple more weeks to go before uh, I moves to uh, the actual football. And uh, yeah, it's just a lot of unknowns there. It seems like, you know, talking to college football fans, you know, I interact with a lot of them from different parts of the country and, you know, it seems like a lot of them want Antonio Gates to be that guy. I don't know if it's just like because of who he is, you know, who is who his dad is. You know, they know the name and he was a four star, well thought of kid. You know, I, I know there's been some questions about motor with him sometimes, some questions about how much he actually wants to play football. We know he's talented. You know, we know that. And I think he got a shout out in the press conference, didn't he? Mel said he made a nice block downfield or. Yeah. Yeah. He said uh, uh, Nathan Card ripped off a long run yesterday in practice and said he doesn't score if it's not for Gates getting in there and, and you know, digging out a safety. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I that's a positive sign. I mean, obviously, you need your wide receivers to block and they've had some really good ones. I mean, look at Jaden Reed, you know, and his the way he blocked was just. Yeah, they talk about a guy who bought into uh, Courtney Hawkins, uh, you know, no block, no rock um, type of uh, thought. So, and Jalen Naylor, I thought was pretty good too. Yeah, well, we remember the long Kenneth Walker runs, you know, down the sideline. You know, when Kenneth Walker's yeah. breaking off seventy yarders, the wide receiver blocking becomes a little more uh, evident. Yeah, <laughs> like when you know they did the little handshake at Rutgers or whatever. That's obviously people love that, but uh, I think that's part of the reason Jaden Reed got drafted in the second round was because of his blocking ability. Yeah. He's physical. I mean, that guy, yeah, he had no problem going in there and, and getting it done. Yeah, he was he was very good blocker. For sure. Um, and then you look at, uh, there's one more guy I want to mention in the receiver room, not somebody I think that's going to be relevant this year, but Jalen Smith out of Houston is a pretty highly thought of uh, recruit. I know a lot, nationally, a lot of people like him. Uh, you know, got some size, six foot 190. I think he can probably put some more weight on there. Uh, I saw a little interview that he did with Darian Harris that he was the first guy on campus in the 
from that class. Um, so, you know, that's always a good sign. Get your feet wet early, early, probably buried on the, on the chart this year, but have we seen anything from Jalen Smith or heard anything about him? You know, I can't recall his name coming up much in this fall camp. Um, but I like both, you know, he and, uh, um, Isaiah Johnson, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm butchering the pronunciation. I don't Zaya, but I don't Zaya. know. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, both of those guys were, were really versatile players in high school, you know, so they bring kind of that extremely athletic skill set, you know, so Mel was raved about them um, when, you know, they signed. So we'll see. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they are, I think, in that next tier. Uh, of guys that, you know, if, if we're talking about it's all speculation on the second year guys, I mean, these guys just got here this summer. So we really don't know what, what how they're going to take that, you know, what they have uh, physically in, in learning the, the offense and getting adjusted to the speed of the college game and whether they can actually get on the field and contribute this year. Well, Michigan State's going to need someone at wide out. You know, they, they need someone to make explosive plays. They've had, you know, I, I tend to not worry just to, from a general talk about wide receiver. I, I tend to not worry about it too much at Michigan State because, I don't know, it seems like through the years, even when they have bad teams, they they find receivers who can be productive. And, you know, they put a lot of receivers in the NFL. You know, maybe on the surface, this group doesn't appear, you know, as talented because maybe the more talented guys haven't broken out yet. And then the older veteran guys are kind of just like steady Eddie types, but maybe they can take a step. You know, I, it's, I just tend to not worry as much about receiver because it seems like Michigan state usually has somebody who can catch the ball, but we're going to need to see somebody emerge. That's for sure. Uh, tight end. I think we know who the guys on the field are going to be. You know, I, I think we, everyone looks at Malik Carr, you know, obviously a freak athlete, Malik the Freak, his own Twitter account, you know, 6'5", 255, transferred in from Purdue a few years ago, um, you know, 25 career catches for 359 yards. You know, I think that we would like those numbers to be higher. You know, most people, you know, if you look at the raw talent of Malik Carr, you would think that he would have higher numbers. You know, we've seen him flash. We saw the big run and catch versus Wisconsin last year. We've seen one-handed catches. I guess the question is, Matt, can Malik Carr, like, you know, we talk about pass catchers, maybe he ends up being one of the top two targets on this team. I mean, the athletic talent, the athleticism is certainly there. Um, we just haven't seen it on a consistent basis over two seasons. There's obviously the caveat that, you know, he spent a year at Purdue, was a wide receiver. He comes to Michigan State, makes a transition to tight end. He had had a, I think he'd had a surgery or an injury that first year that kind of set him back. And then, you know, you that's that's a big change going from being, you know, just split out wide to, you know, being an inline blocker and, and you know, developing that skill set. And they keep saying they believe he's getting he's getting better at it. So, but you obviously need to do both to be on the field. You know, Michigan State is always going to have a tight end on the field, basically. And can you be that guy that can consistently do both? But yeah, we've we've seen the flashes. He had that the catch and run against Wisconsin last year. I think that was their longest play from scrimmage. He had the the impressive uh, touchdown catch against uh, Penn State in the finale. So you, you see the flashes, but is it is it can he put it all together? I guess is, is the point. Uh, you know, he looks like a guy that could be an NFL tight end if he can. You know, put you know, again, just you know, if he can. Is it the blocking with him? I mean, is he, it... that you know that comes up here and there, and he got defensive of him on Twitter, I think, recently. But you know, the the coaches have brought it up, so. Yeah, you got to block better. You got to be more consistent, and and that's what you're going to need to do. I mean, he he's this is year four of college for him now, so time to uh, time to step up. You know, you lose Tyler Hunt and Daniel Barker, and you know 
he's expected to be the starting guy. You know, they flooded it with transfers and they got the younger tight ends we haven't seen. Um, but I mean, Carr is the guy they expect to to be a you know their top tight end. I think that's pretty clear. If they convinced him his future is in football, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he ain't playing hoops anymore. So uh, where does he fit in in the uh, basketball rotation, Kyle? You know. <laughs> well, I mean, it seemed like they were pretty adamant last year about him about him focusing on football all off season, which tells me what you just said. You know, like they expect him to be the dude. Well, I mean, what was he? You know, I mean. I'll you know, give him credit for joining the basketball team after the, you know, 2021 season, you know, that's, you don't have to do that. That's tough. Right. But, you know, if you're just a, a walk on guy, that's basically a practice body who isn't even making the, the travel squad. I mean, if you think you're an NFL tight end, why, you, you know, why be playing basketball? So he said it was tough to, to give it up, but you know, here, here you go. So yeah, you got to do one, pick one or the other. Uh, I mean, they like you mentioned, Matt, they brought in like six transfer tight ends. It felt like it felt like for a while there, every transfer they were getting was a tight end. It seems like Tiny Old Hopper, uh, the veteran guy from Boise State, is probably most likely to be the tight end too. 6'3, 240, uh, kid from Georgia, has over 1200 career snaps. So, like, this is a guy who's you know played in 45 career games at Boise. If nothing else, I think he's going to bring experience to the table. I think you know, they probably like what he brings in, in all af- aspects of the game should we expect him to be a potential option in the pass catching game? Or is this more just like a size blocking tight end? Or is that what those other guys are for? Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to do both. I mean, yeah, he's going to be on the field. You know, I think they, they looked at who they lost and thought, well, probably, you know, bring in a veteran guy that, you know, he's got all, you know, game experience, you know, they don't, you know, he seems like he adjusted well, Um, you know, because the other guys you bring back, Michael Masunas, Jack Nickel, they haven't, you know, they haven't played, you know, they're a redshirt freshman. You got Evan Morris, who's, you know, a former punter is out there battling. They keep bringing his name up. Um, but you knew you needed some veteran bodies. So they bring in three guys and, and yeah, Hopper's the guy out of those three, I would say is, is most likely to contribute this year. And then, oh boy, let's see if I can butcher his name. Besides Jalen Franklin from, from Wisconsin, who's an in-state guy, uh, a demo, Falay, Falaye? Yeah, that was. Is bad. it Falaye? I, I needed needed to practice <laughs> that one, like uh, some of the other ones. But you know, he's a six-seven guy, which is obviously intriguing. But he's also coming from you know the FCS, so big uh, tra- a transition there to uh, to get on the field. But to be honest, you know, give Michigan State credit for finding some guys that you wouldn't think would contribute. You know, some of these D two guys. Look at Kendall Brooks. You know, coming out and you guys with the Cardinals right now last time knew he hadn't been cut, but he, you know, they, they found some contributors from lower levels and maybe he'll be the next one. Mm-hmm. And then the, the freshman they brought in, Brennan Paracek is, you know, from Dexter, he's mm-hmm. a four-star kid, you know, six five, two thirty five. probably not getting on the field this year, but a highly thought of kid maybe in the depth, but who knows, yeah. you know, who knows what's going to happen. Mellis Stone, he'll play freshman before. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of the guys like his talent, but is tight end just a, in general, isn't it? It's just a position that takes a while for guys to develop. It seems like it because, I mean, obviously they're, you have to commit to the run, like or I'm sorry, blocking like we talked about. And, and you, during uh, Mel's uh, end of press conference rant yesterday about run game and run D, you know, talking about how he's never going to blame it all on the offensive line. And, you know, it's all these things going together. You know, he's talking about, you know, if there's, you know, there's this run, if that, you know, all the offensive linemen are on their blocks, 
you know, but that tight end misses the block well and the run's blown up. And, you know, and that, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, <laughs> you're, you're going to have to do it all. You know, Jay Johnson calls it the, the MVP of what they do offensively, but we haven't really seen in their tenure uh, a tight end really emerged. I guess Connor Hayward in his transition year from running back was really the, is kind of been the standout unless I'm forgetting something, but uh, yeah, they, they are going to need a little bit more of a, of a plus out of that position this year, um, especially with questions at wide receiver. So you're going to need tight ends to step up and, and make some plays. And it starts with Malik. Mm-hmm. And this offense uses the tight ends a lot, you know, oh, yeah. short little area pass catching games and they want to use them in the red zone too. So I guess, I'll toss it out to both of you. What's your, I guess, if you were going to characterize your level of concern on the pass catchers, is it high, medium, low? You know, do you, are you confident something's going to show up here or? Medium, I guess. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm somewhere between medium and high, I guess, just because of what well, Kyle was talking about. Do you have a real playmakers? You know, you lose Reed, you lose Coleman. Who Do you have a guy that can really be a difference maker on the field? So uh, somewhere between medium and high, just because there's so much uncertainty. I'd say medium and low because we talked about it, but there's also, there's a lot of potential guys that could be that, you know, um, if, if they weren't, if they didn't have the depth and we were really counting on one or two guys to break out, I think it'd be different, but you guys just spent a long time breaking it all down really well. There's a lot of potential guys that I think could step up um, and have a breakout and wide receivers a position where you do see guys kind of come out of nowhere um and do that so uh, a lot of it um is going to depend on their quarterback play too obviously um can do you have a, a, a quarterback that can throw guys open get them get them the ball where they need it um if that's not happening it's going to obviously be hard for anybody to break out but if they get good quarterback play i think there's a decent chance we see somebody on that list um turn into a difference maker All right. Well, there you go. That's the pass catchers. It's a position, you know, after the last few years of kind of being a a position of strength for Michigan State, where it was one of the few places on the field where we kind of knew what to expect. Coming into 2023, it's a position where they're going to need some guys to step up and or emerge. So we'll be watching it closely. Uh, But that's going to do it for today's episode of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. The season trickles ever closer. As I said, we'll have live football games next weekend, headlined by Notre Dame at Navy. But then it gets all underway the week after that. Michigan State Friday night will host Central Michigan on September 1st at Spartan Stadium. We will all be there watching and we'll be here to talk about it as well. Next week, we'll continue our position previews as camp keeps going. Uh, But that's going to do it. So from Matt Wenzel and Kyle Austin, thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan. Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time and go green.